Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts right after this. Hey, it's Jesse Waters from Fox News Channel. Hope to see you at my Ag Night on November 2nd. It's going to be a night you will not want to miss. We're waking up to a new dawn in agriculture, a better way, where farmers stop working the soil and start working with it. At Huma, our carbon-rich, humate-based products improve soil health and fertility, deliver nutrients more efficiently, and reduce crop input costs. Welcome to Humix Solutions with a Human Touch. Visit Huma.us to learn more. It's harvest season and the 2023 California walnut crop indicates volume growth with strong product quality, offering retailers more sales opportunities leading into the peak holiday season. With a 1% increase in production from 2022 and excellent quality expected due to favorable growing conditions, the 2023 crop is forecast at 1.52 billion pounds of walnuts in shell. Last winter's prolonged heavy rains in the California walnut growing regions helped to restore deep soil moisture and provided for healthy root zones, enabling trees to better tolerate late season high temperatures. The state also benefited from an extensive snowpack which has provided all growing regions with sufficient water to support the trees and the crops through the season among other variables resulting in robust nut sets throughout the orchards. California Walnuts anticipates that the fresh California crop or premium quality walnuts in shell and kernels will be in high demand as they encourage retailers to inspire consumers to purchase walnuts for holiday meal planning from classic baked goods to appetizers, salads, charcuterie boards, and side dishes. Traditionally, the fourth quarter drives the largest share of annual total walnut category dollar sales. According to Sarkana, 33% of annual walnut sales in 2022 were made in Q4. They're looking forward to building new partnerships with retailers during this important time for California walnuts. That according to Robert Verloop, CEO and Executive Director for the California Walnut Commission and Board. He says not only does the holiday season bring a spike to walnut sales when consumers are doing the most cooking and baking, it also brings in the opportunity to promote walnuts alongside fresh produce. The versatility of walnuts allows them to be merchandised across baking aisles, produce departments, and snacking areas in supermarket grocery stores. The California Walnuts retail team sees an opportunity to expand the distribution of California walnuts in the produce section, highlighting their complementary attributes to fruits and vegetables as 76% of shoppers are more likely to purchase walnuts when displayed next to fruits and vegetables. Holiday-themed shopper marketing assets, including in-store signage, display bins, and digital content are available for retailers upon request. After idling half of the state's normal rice acreage last year due to water shortages, farmers of the grain are back in full force with harvest underway in the Sacramento Valley. They're off to a later start because of planning delays in the spring, which has pushed harvest into the rainy season. Substantial downpours this time of the year could cause muddy fields, further delays, and rice plants to fall over, dramatically reducing yields and quality. With days getting shorter and cooler, the race is on to get the crop off and into the mills. Farmers, ranchers, tribal members, and others who rely on water from the Scott River and Shasta River watersheds turned out to offer insights to state officials considering an emergency regulation to set minimum flows on the tributaries. The gathering at an informational workshop in Sacramento came in response to a July 1st petition by the Carrick Tribe. The petition seeks permanent minimum in-stream flows to prevent the extinction of coho salmon. 
A number of new state laws are set to impact California farmers in the coming months after Governor Gavin Newsom ended the legislative year by signing a flurry of bills. Assembly Bill 1016 authorizes California's Department of Pesticide Regulation to modernize the certification process for farmers to use drones to spray pesticides and beneficial biological treatments on farms. Senate Bill 505 was created to improve commercial insurance options for people who have struggled to access coverage due to the impact of wildfires. After years of drought, some California farmers are planning agave, a drought-tolerant succulent used to make sweeteners and distilled beverages such as tequila and mezcal. Calling agave an emerging low-water crop, researchers at the University of California and partners in the state and in Mexico are sharing research and growing guidelines for growers interested in sustainably growing agave. Researchers said agave plants carry significance in Latino and in indigenous cultures, having provided food, fiber, and tools for sowing and medicine for thousands of years. Hollister High School's Agriculture and FFA program has earned a ranking of number 11 out of more than 380 ag programs in the state of California, improving its ranking from number 15 last year, according to a press release from the San Benito High School District. The ranking is based on the statistical performance indicators of the following categories. Total number of American FFA degrees, state FFA degrees, state proficiency awards, state championships, and state FFA executive committee members. Hollister High School teacher and FFA advisor Grace Erickson said that Hollister FFA ranking number 11 in the state of California is a testament to the collaboration of students, families, staff, administration, and community that makes up the Hollister High School Agriculture Department and FFA program. The National Highway Traffic Safety Standards proposed new fuel economy standards greatly missed the intent of the corporate average fuel economy program to enhance energy security. That's according to comments filed by the Renewable Fuels Association and the National Farmers Union, among others. They assert the proposal will lead to an over-reliance on critical foreign minerals due to its singular dependence on electric vehicles. As NHTCA determines the appropriate cafe and fuel efficiency standards, it should avoid putting all their eggs into the electrification basket, according to the groups in their comments. The proposal missed the intent of the CAFE program, as Congress acknowledged solving energy security and air pollution issues related to the transportation sector require a diversified portfolio of approaches. The associations note problems with over-reliance on electric vehicles because of the increased security vulnerabilities of getting critical minerals from overseas that are needed for the batteries. Sunkiss Growers is primed for the return of California's citrus season with inclusive category insights, new sales strategies, and shopper marketing and merchandising programs to help drive the category all season long. Farmer-owned and grown by generations, the cooperative has a steady supply across 40 conventional and organic citrus varieties, including oranges, lemons, mandarins, grapefruit, tangerines, and tangelos. Building upon an exceptionally talented and experienced sales team, Sunkist has recently appointed industry veteran Jamie Sells as vice president of sales, with a continued focus on supplying top-quality citrus supported by an equally impressive service. Sells is eager for a successful season, she says. Following its 130th milestone season, the Fresh Citrus Cooperative is continuing its legacy of unveiling innovative shopper marketing programs with fact-based recommendations at the ready. A recent Sunkiss Commission study revealed when consumers were asked what advertisements incentivized direct citrus purchases, over 50% of shoppers prioritized recipe inspiration. 
Their interactive point-of-sale materials are available for every variety within their robust portfolio, along with data-driven pack sizes, limited edition cartons, and interchangeable bin header and header cards that illustrate innovative ways for retailers to integrate citrus during key promotional periods to drive sales, according to Sells. The cooperative has created a new commercial spot to pay homage to its milestone anniversary season, showing how Sunkissed Citrus can help instill healthy habits at home for consumers everywhere, every day. The new streaming commercial highlights the nostalgia and shared pastimes when enjoying a sun-kissed orange, and viewers are given a glimpse into the natural beauty of a real California citrus grove and reminded how sun-kissed has played a role in brightening life's most memorable moments. Fruchera has inked two agreements that will underpin the company's very business and strategy. The California-based global fruit sales and marketing company has acquired both Gettings Fruit and Sunbell in a deal that Fruchera's CEO David Krause has called the most significant acquisitions that Fruchera has made to date. Both companies bring an established year-round berry business to Fruchera. Gettings Fruit, based in Santiago, Chile, is a year-round supplier of organic and conventional cherries and berries with packing operations in Mexico and South America. Likewise, Chicago-based Sunbell is a year-round marketer of conventional and organic berries sold under the Sunbell and Greenbell brands and boasts well-developed U.S. distribution and infrastructure that includes five warehouses. In the months ahead, Fruchera anticipates a smooth integration of the three companies as Sunbell and Gettings have enjoyed a close decades-long relationship. In recent years, the two berry companies have worked together on distribution, marketing, and logistics, with Sunbell serving as the exclusive sales agent for Gettings berries grown in Mexico. After the acquisition, Sunbell founder Janice Honenberg will continue as CEO, and Gettings Fruits Julio Gettings will transition to chair emeritus. Both leaders are slated to join for chair's board of directors, according to a news release. Join us for an unforgettable evening with Jesse Waters, co-host of Fox News at the International Agri-Center in Tulare, California. Tickets are extremely limited for this one-night-only experience, and they will sell out. Hey, it's Jesse Waters from Fox News Channel. Hope to see you at my Ag Night on November 2nd. It's going to be a night you will not want to miss. Don't miss your only chance to see Jesse Waters here in the heart of California on November 2nd. Reserve your spot now at myaglife.com forward slash myagnight. California experienced its worst drought on record between 2012 and 2015. The Sustainable Groundwater Management Act was passed in 2014, and 750,000 to 1 million acres of farmland could be fallowed without new water supply. The climate is changing, and the state's current infrastructure can't handle high volumes of rainfall like what it experienced earlier this year. So where does that leave growers? Many, including consultants, commodity boards like Almond Board of California and others, are making a push to further implement groundwater recharge practices. 41 to 60% of annual water supply comes from groundwater, and 83% of the state's population relies on groundwater for a portion of their annual use. Chronic groundwater overdraft also causes subsidence and aquifer collapse. Thus, recharging groundwater supplies is going to be crucial moving forward. On-farm groundwater recharge involves flooding the field. So it's got to be done during winter dormancy or when the field is fallow. And next, you have to make sure that your soil and the land is suitable for deep percolation down to the aquifer. And so you can go onto UC Davis's 
mapping website that has a scoring index and will show based on NRCS soil survey data whether they've rated your soil as excellent or good or moderately good for recharge. And that's based on the soil's um, permeability, how, how fast is the soil draining, what is the surface uh, condition, what's the topography of the land, and are there any chemical limitations like pesticide or fertilizer that would leach down to the groundwater and pollute the well. So uh, if your ground doesn't have the best score, that could be caused by a plow layer, like a clay pan, and that could be alleviated by deep tillage. So you want to check for that as well. And if you don't have a permanent crop with a winter dormancy, you can consider doing this groundwater recharge when you have a fallow field during a storm season. That was Erin Wingate, CCA and lead agronomist with TriTech Ag Products. She said recharge efforts have shown the most success in almond orchards as well as vineyards. Helen Dalk, a researcher at UC Davis and uh, commercial growers and support from the almond board, everybody has come together to do pilot studies and some commercial trials and a lot of that has been on almonds and they've shown that if the field is flooded during that winter dormancy well before the root flush then the crop it continues to have the same yield the same root growth when it does come they found no negative impact on root growth or yield or crop quality during those pilot studies and those were done in Modesto and in Delhi and this has also been implemented on a commercial level and the California Almond Board put out a report about this and they've uh, summarized a few case studies from farmers that started implementing this on their own farms. Some looking at the premise of groundwater recharge may be concerned about where that volume of water is going to come from. Wingate said it's going to be a group effort to distribute this water to the correct channels for recharge. Local GSAs and water districts are trying to work together to facilitate moving excess storm water uh, from one place on, onto these farms. And some of the infrastructure is already there. There may be new infrastructure that could help facilitate this more, but uh, I'd encourage you to start by contacting your GSA and then your local water districts. And you could also go to uh, state agencies as well. And I believe NRCS may have a supporting role as well. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Jalstrom. Smart growers know sustainability means managing pests at the same time they manage other priorities in their fields which is why smart growers know Certus Biologicals. For more than 20 years, Certus Biologicals has been the world's leader when it comes to biological pesticides, delivering proven solutions that keep operations sustainable and growing. Learn more at CertusBio.com. The global agriculture landscape is on the brink of a large shift 
as the chemical markets are set to experience extraordinary growth. The market will exceed $132.4 billion by the year 2032. Global Market Insights Incorporated says the unprecedented surge can be attributed to a confluence of factors ranging from technological advancements to swelling population numbers to the pressing need for more sustainable agricultural practices. The world population is expected to reach almost 917 billion people by the year 2050, and that necessitates a dramatic surge in food production. This will put immense pressure on the ag sector and crop protection chemicals play an instrumental role in ensuring optimal yields. While the use of crop protection tools is essential to modern agriculture, sustainable practices like biopesticides and the exploration of natural enemies are examples of a shift towards more ecologically stable approaches. As world population surges, crop protection chemicals will help to ensure food security. Rural business cooperatives are the focus of one USA entity, one that celebrates the importance of this business model during National Cooperative Month. USA Ag News reporter Rod Bain. As an agency that has cooperative in the name, we do get excited about National Cooperative Month. That from USDA Rural Business Cooperative Service Administrator Karama Neal. And for October, National Cooperative Month, the administrator and others are acknowledging and promoting the importance of the cooperative model of business on rural economies. Cooperatives provide countless goods and services to rural America. As a child, I used to go to a cooperative health clinic on occasion that my dad was the leader of at one point. You'll see food cooperatives where folks will band together to market different foods that can be a cooperative. Cooperative farming happens frequently. Financial services, credit unions, which are cooperative. Rural electric cooperatives. As for the rural business cooperative service and its support of rural cooperatives nationwide. We have a cooperative services branch, which manages quite a bit of our work with cooperatives. They provide technical assistance. They collect statistics on agricultural cooperatives and do just a wide variety of work around cooperatives. We also provide grants directly to certain types of cooperatives through competitive grant-making programs. We also do a lot of financial services work, lending, guaranteeing loans, and those loans sometimes come through credit unions, which of course are cooperatives. Much of RBCS's work is in partnership with sister USDA Rural development agencies, such as the Rural Utilities Service, which oversees rural electric and telecommunication cooperatives. Also, the Rural Housing Service guarantees mortgages, many of which are made through credit unions. Some of the numbers associated with rural cooperatives. There are more than 30,000 cooperatives, including agricultural, utility, financial services, purchasing, food, housing, retail, and so much more. That equates to 73,000 places of business across the country. These account for more than 2 million jobs and generate more than $700 billion in annual revenue. So these are really important to the economy, both at the local regional level and also at the national level. In addition, agricultural cooperatives in particular operate in 10,000 locations in all 50 states and have a long history as a resilient, sustainable business model. This year's theme for National Cooperative Month is owning our identity. And RBCS Administrator Neal says there is much history and tradition associated with the identity of various rural cooperative businesses and business models. The Cooperative Marketing Act passed in 1926, so we're coming up on almost 100 years that USDA has had some level of focus on cooperatives. And even with that long history, we are very intentional around being innovative, and we encourage people to visit our website, rd.usda.gov. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. 
Senators Chuck Grassley, a Republican from Iowa, and Cindy Hyde-Smith, a Republican from Michigan, along with 15 Senate colleagues, are challenging the Environmental Protection Agency to abandon its proposed mitigation measures targeting 11 rodent sites. In a letter to Environmental Protection Agency Administrator Michael Regan, the senators urged Regan to consult the businesses and individuals who rely on rodent control products when developing rules that affect their operations. As written, the proposed mitigation measures will place severe restrictions on product users and result in crop damage and livestock losses, jeopardize the safety of the food supply, weaken public health protections, and make it more difficult for people to protect their homes and properties from rodents, according to the letter. The EPA's proposed mitigation measures would classify most rodent control products as restricted-use pesticides and require users to become licensed, state-certified applicators. It would prohibit surface application methods for protecting crops and require growers to conduct carcass searches for two weeks after application. The retail prices of all eight major fertilizers climbed higher in the second week of October. And hydro's prices climbed 16% on average to $804 per ton. MAP and UAN32 each climbed by 7% to $794 a ton for MAP and $418 a ton for UAN32. The prices of the remaining five fertilizers were higher than last month, but less significantly. DAP cost an average of $711 a ton. Potash at $506 a ton. Urea at $575 a ton, 10340 at $613 a ton, and UAN28 at $356 a ton. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate and influence growers in the western united states everywhere you go you see west coast nut magazine on every one of my customers tables so that tells you everything that's that it's there so they're reading our my ag life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing team, thank you for listening. (laughs) 